Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and thank you for joining us today for Live Dharma Sunday. Please note that if you have called in to listen to today's broadcast, then all lines have been placed on mute to avoid background interference. If you are listening from any of our Bright Dawn sites, note that it is not necessary to call in. You may have to wait a second or two for the loading and buffering process to complete, but if there is still no audio, please refresh your page. For more information about Bright Dawn and its activities and links to our social media sites, please visit brightdawn.org. Once again, thank you for listening to Live Dharma Sunday and enjoy the talk. Welcome everyone to Live Dharma Sunday for September 27th, 2020. Koyo Kubose here. So very, very glad you joined us. Well, <clears throat> recently I cleaned house and uh, I was thinking about, uh, you know, spring cleaning, end of the year cleaning, uh, cleanliness is next to godliness. Um, and re- relating this to, well, you might call it spiritual cleaning in terms of a fresh start, a new start. Um, get all clean, brand new feeling. Um, and there, well, in Japanese culture, maybe there is similar stories in other cultures. But end of the year is when they um, commemorate that in terms of getting, you know, uh, getting rid of the old and getting ready to start the new year, saying goodbye to the old year, okay, which would include the psychological hangers-on like any resentments and grudges or disappointments, um, and so forth, to let them go, okay, if it's healthy to let them go. And um, uh, symbolically, the temple, there, there's the what's called bono, human frailties, human limitations, or more strongly, evils, okay, um, that this is human nature. And in Japanese culture, uh, we have 108, in Buddhist culture, 108 bonno. And uh, it's interesting how this figure is arrived at. I, I, I can't remember the formula, but we might capacity to do bad with our six, five senses or six senses, then we have done it in the past. We're going to be doing it in the present, and we're going to be doing. We won't be doing it in the future. 
And so you, you do all these permutations, and it comes out to be 108. 108, uh, bon no, human limitations, frailties, and so forth. So in the end of the year, in Kyoto, which is a very traditional city in Japan, uh, in the evening, you hear the temple bells ringing, and they ring 108 times to signify this end of the year. Let's get rid of all these bonos, at least with our attitude, with our, the way we're leaning as an ideal and uh, and start fresh. That's the idea, and I think it's it's incorporated psychologically when we clean house, straighten up, and we said, hey, somehow we feel inner cleaning too, and uh, to begin is the only true joy in the world. <laughs> that was from a daily Zen saying. Okay, I'm going to introduce our guest to give us a Dharma glimpse today, Levi Shinyo, uh, as part of our LM9 group, and he lives in Pennsylvania. So, Levi Shinyo, you're, you are up. Let me see. Yeah, I gotcha. Buddhism is really unique as a faith tradition or a religion or a spiritual practice in the sense that it has really embraced comedy and humor as a tool for teaching and something that is celebrated in certain circumstances. Especially as you go on into China and Japan and the Zen tradition, but it has its roots all the way back with Buddha himself as a, as a good teacher. Humor is a great tool to have in the Buddhist path because it's able to break through things like ego, spiritual materialism, in other forms of non-helpful uh, pride. I have my own little story I'd like to share with you all about how humor had helped cure me of a little bit of spiritual stuffiness that I had still been holding with me. I had been involved in Buddhism maybe since the age of 14, and I had first really discovered it and had become a part of it with online communities. At one point, I had seen a post that I really disliked, that had really frustrated me. It was a simple image of the Buddha, you know, serene on the lotus in front of the Bodhi tree, but over top of it, it had the text which read, chill homie, let that shit go. And I think at the time it had really bothered me because I had a deep sense of respect for Buddha and his teachings because it was so new to me and so transformative in my young life that I felt that it was disrespectful. And you know, I don't know if I had made a post about it or something, but I know it had stuck with me for quite a while. And even though I had gotten over it for the most part, once I had grown up a little bit, it still uh, stuck with me for a while. And I remember that it was only a few days before my induction with the Bright Dawn. I was down in Coarse Gold with, uh, with everyone and my, my classmates and our teacher, Koyo Kobose, and we had been uh, invited into the house, and we were, you know, given a short tour. And I remember, as I walked into Sensei's office, there sitting on his desk was that same exact image I had been holding with me, framed. And I only could laugh, both at my own past feelings and where I had come from, and 
you know, what a what a message right there it was. Uh, what a teaching that was to see that. I realized that the Buddha himself had always taught through skillful means. He taught the different people in different ways because he knew that different people reacted differently. They had different experiences that would speak to them. And, you know, an image like that, maybe that was wonderful for some people. Perhaps it put some people on the Buddhist path and helped people let go of things they had been keeping with them for too long. And it talked to people in the common language. Uh, really, yeah, Buddhism can be summed down to we have to let go. And if that's what helps people, that's what helps people. Who am I to sit there and say that's disrespectful or that's that's inappropriate when it's a real Buddhist teaching? So, you know, think of what you're keeping held on to and what ideas and concepts you are still battling with and what offends you. Because maybe it's a teaching in itself, because it sure was for me. Thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, humor, near and dear to my heart. Um, breaking through the ego, making fun of oneself, one's one's pride, one's you know self-centeredness. Um, pretty good self-reflection and humor. Uh, just in general, it can be used in all kinds of ways. You know, when you think of what, uh, how it could function. Um, I did, in fact, I used to watch uh, comedy stand-up on uh, television. And I always admired these comedians. And uh, so I thought, gee, what about Buddhist, Buddhist stand-up comedy routine? And so, by golly, I uh, <clears throat> gathered some material, you know, and uh, mixed in some Japanese cultural aspects and and uh, m- made a routine. Um, and I said, well, uh, there was a conference coming up. It was a, it was actually Eastern Buddhist League conference, and for some reason that year it was it was uh, canceled, and so they had a substitute one uh, at Lake Geneva in Wisconsin on a reduced scale, so it was very informal, and that was I thought, hey, a perfect time to reveal. I felt a little safer in doing my Buddhist stand up and. So I did, and, uh, you know, it was very excruciating, to tell you the truth, to prepare. Uh, A stand-up routine is about 10 times harder than giving a Dharma talk. You've got, the timing has to be such, you've got to make it look so natural, so flowing, um, and... uh, but anyway, I did it, and it was tape, videotape, uh, blackmail tape, I used to call it. Uh, and then uh, a few years later, there was a big conference in Toronto, uh, and uh, so I 
did a routine. Uh, probably I, I, you know, added material and whatnot. I can't remember. Some of them are regular jokes about uh, that I kind of just adapted. I heard from other routines and that I liked, and I could adapt them and so forth in a Buddhist context. So I gave this routine uh, at this conference, and, you know, it was okay. But, again, it was excruciating preparation, torture. Uh, and I never, and I got over my tendency to want to, you know, do Buddhist stand-up. Okay, got that out of my system. But that also was taped. So if I, so, and then these tapes, uh, there was a, this was a, when things were on uh, VHS, and then uh, they got converted to uh, DVDs and so forth. But it's really uh, humor. I remember I, I had copied down all the ways that humor could be used. Some of the lines were to help us uh, uh, deal with the unexpected, how to understand the, you know, how to deal with what's undealable with, maybe death or something like that, inevitable realities of life, okay? How to look at it through the lens of a humor and so forth. Maybe kind of, kind of uh, uh, takes the sting out of it somehow. Uh, and then, of course, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Professor Reverend Ken Tanaka, he loves humor too. And so we, when we get together, we always, you know, have a good time. But he loves to tell the joke about ordering a hot dog, you know, and make me one with everything. I was, you know, and so we we did this in the conference one time. He he talked myself and he and Professor Al Bloom, and we did this on at a conference where one of them, you know, was the hot dog vendor and one was the the monk and so forth and, and and then you know added little tidbits like afterwards you say you you pay and then say well, hey where's my change and then Venice says oh all change must come from within and all these things are and uh, there was a shoe routine my father was famous for saying thank telling the Dharma school children say hey but you should thank your shoes. You know, every day, pat your shoes and say, thank you for protecting my feet. And, all. and became kind of famous. <laughs> uh, he told this uh, lesson, you know, quite a bit. And some children who heard it and maybe they became adults and became kind of locally uh, famous people and they would be invited back to give a Brotherhood Sunday message or something and might say, and I still thank my shoes, you know, and things like this. So it was very nice. Uh, and then I was recently looking at a book, and uh, I made this was, <laughs> in fact, it was Dr. Reverend Tanaka's uh, 
latest book, and he has some uh, humor in there and some car- um, cartoons, I guess. And one of them was, um, uh, I think, uh, um, uh, uh, Christian monk and a Buddhist monk walking or holding a sign, maybe. One said, Jesus is coming. And the other one was holding the sign that said, Buddha is now. <laughs> a lot of people like that. And then I, that made me remember one that was uh, similar uh, to monks. And one was carrying the sign that said, Jesus saves. And then the other Buddhist monk was carrying the sign that said, Buddha recycles. Now that one probably is not as good because it's uh, connoting the idea of reincarnation probably, and that is really not a Buddhist teaching. Okay, my father used to always try to make that clear, and they got you know, although Buddhism Buddhism came out of and was influenced by Hinduism, uh, and the idea of reincarnation is more dominant in in uh, Hinduism in terms of the Atman or um, sort of a Brahman soul-like thing. Whereas one of the biggest differences between Buddhism and Hinduism is, as my father would put it, uh, uh, you know, Buddhism is a non-soul system. Okay. <laughs> and I kind of chuckle because that was a, that was one of the jokes that we did uh, at, again at a conference with Tanaka and Al, Al Bloom with, in terms of soul, you know, the soul of a shoe or, you know, hey, no, 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 no souls, no soul in Buddhism. So, you know, we can't have any shoe jokes or something like that. I, I don't remember. But anyway, uh, humor, sometimes religion in general and you know, the, the aspect of spirituality is over serious, not necessary. Okay? Not just to be more lighthearted for lighthearted sake, but because it could actually help us okay, in terms of how humor can uh, restore a pers- certain kind of perspective okay, on spirituality. That's all for today's broadcast. Till next time. Keep going, and you have a beautiful day. Thank you.